microphone works. Why this happens every night, I'm not sure, but maybe it'll just become a running joke between us and the listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Careless Whispers on CLNS Media, and uh, my name is Matt Rury. Calvin Chamberlain, I have some news that, I don't know if I'm really breaking this news. I don't know if it matters. I don't know. I don't even know what the details are. All I saw were were a couple of tweets about this, and this is big news as far as I'm concerned for CLNS Media. Do you know Do you know what this news could be? Could you possibly believe what this news is? Um, did we just sign somebody major? Are we signing a major? Did we just get Bob Costas to CLNS? I would say we are losing someone major, Calvin. I would say we are losing someone major. Uh. My only hope is that throughout this process that uh, he will be available to us on the post-game show. But the one and only Jared Weiss has decided to go off and basically start his own website, and he's essentially working for USA Today. So I would like to say in this bittersweet moment, congratulations to Jared Weiss to lead this show. I didn't even tell Calvin that I was going to do this, but um, – I feel it appropriate because he's given a lot to this network, and I think he's a great guy. Uh, I've I've never met him. I've heard positive things about him, uh, but I have done plenty of uh, uh, you know garden reports with him on post game shows, and we sort of had a, a pretty funny fun report. There's a record of that. We can go back and listen to those. But yeah, I have nothing but positive feelings about Jared Rice as well. I would wish him luck on his on his next endeavor. And yeah, so you can breaking? you can go find him at uh, at at the Celtics Wire on Twitter, 
and he is the editor over there, so he is he's the man. He's the one that's that's dealing with all that right there. So Jared White is taking another step in his career progression. Well deserved. Congratulations. Follow him on Twitter at Jared Weiss with two S's NBA. J A R E D W E I S S N B A. All right, that's how we're going to lead off the show tonight. I just wanted to throw that out there because I'm, I'm still, like I said, I'm still not sure what his capacity is going to be with CLNS Media, but I can imagine it's going to be less than it is now, if anything at all. So if he's moving on completely, that's that's a, it's a definite loss for CLNS Media, and I'm sure that he's going to he's going to do really well going forward. Wait, I'm confused, really, because I, I thought you were, I thought your report was that he was leaving, and now you're saying you're not sure whether or not he's leaving. No, I said that at the beginning. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's still going to contribute at all. But uh, the thing that set me off was one of our, our, basically my partner in crime as far as scheduling the post game show is concerned this year. Bobby Manning was saying uh, on that he uh, he was going to be sad to not be on the same network as Jared Weiss anymore. So take that for what it is. Anyway. I'm going. I'm going off the rails already. Um, we have. I'm going to call this a celebration show. All right, and it's happening earlier than ever before. It is a celebration show. All right. No, why? Why? I feel, I feel like we just come up with excuses to play that song, but why? Yes, I do. The NBA is back earlier than ever. It's before October 1st, and we're getting ready to talk about the NBA regular season happening in less than a month. Less than three weeks, actually, at this point. This is insane, and I'm very excited about it. Oh, yeah, I just remembered. Uh, literally, right now, I probably should message this to you in some form, but... Uh, I also wanted to talk about the uh, the updated lottery reform. We'll squeeze that in as well today, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, load it up. Uh, all right, cool. Yeah, you didn't respond, so I, I, I realized you were just sort of... Anyway, yeah, so the NBA is back. Um, not quite as back as I would like it to be, you know. But uh, I, I go through this sort of with preseason and every sport. I did this with the NFL <laughs> that I realized you don't like, but I still like. I was excited to have it back, and then I watched a pre- the first preseason game, and I was like, oh, yeah, preseason. You know, and I, I'm sort of probably going to feel the same way. I'm excited right now. Media day was fun. You know, we got some good quotes. Um, I don't know what we'll talk about him later, but I don't know if you saw the, uh, the Carmelo Anthony question where somebody in Oklahoma City asked him uh, if he would mind coming off the bench, and his response was me, and then to laugh, which I thought was pretty funny. But it just reminded me. Yeah, of they're like, gonna they're gonna yeah. go small down there or something. They'll they'll figure it out. But yeah, he I don't think he's gonna come off the bench either way. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean that that will be discussed in that in that segment. But it was just it was just entertaining that Carm- that Carmelo thought the notion that he would come off the like you know what I mean was hilarious and it was just good to see like NBA players back. Uh, you know, LeBron has had some things for Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, all around. Good to, good to see the NBA back. So we're excited. We're going to play the music. We got a couple of NBA topics to talk about tonight. You know? Well, Rui likes the NBA more than any other sport. I'm right there with him. So I think we're, we're primarily an NBA show, even though we try to cover everything. 
So yeah, we got. Yeah, we got if, you, if you didn't realize it by listening to this show, I mean, listening to this show, Calvin, you think the NBA never stops. You'd think that it, it was just always on because every time that we have an episode, we're talking about it. So uh, I wouldn't blame anybody that <clears throat> listens to us for for feeling that way. But uh, it's back in full force at this point. We're going to be really digging into some of the off season and the more recent stuff, and uh, we'll start with the Celtics topic as we normally do. And I, you know what? I think this one's going to probably go pretty quickly. I don't really have much to say on it in general because I'm just more, oh, really? I, uh, really, because I'm more, I'm just more excited about everything else going on with the Celtics right now. And uh, we start now though, deciding what they should do with Marcus smart because uh, his contract is going to be up and they're going to need to make a decision on him. And if the idea is to keep a young core, with this older set of veterans that they've sort of brought in. And by older, I, I don't mean old. I just mean guys that have been in the league six to seven years, Hayward, Irving, those types of guys. That's their core now. Is Marcus Smart one of those younger-ish players that you want to keep around? Or are you going to rely on the even younger guys that Danny Ainge has surrounded these, the, the, the new big three with right now? I'm not sure where you're going with this one, Calvin, but um, I just – my initial thoughts on Smart are that he has lost some weight, and I think he's going to be uh, – he's going to have improvements, but I'm still worried about his shooting and his decision-making as far as his shot is concerned, more importantly. Uh, so I would be hesitant to extend him quickly. I would I want to, I want to see how it plays out with him, and if – if that sets him off and that makes him feel like he doesn't want to be here and he walks away because of it, then so be it. I think the Celtics are going to be fine. That's my initial thought. Well, I think, well, first of all, I do want to discuss uh, Smart's weight loss because I, first first of all, I, I, I sort of am not sure that it's a, a good idea in his particular case. Cause I'd never thought of him as a doughy player. And I feel like so much, so much of his game is built on physicality and like, in, in being that brick wall who can stop much bigger players. Like, yeah, well, he, he says his he strength weighs, is still there. So. Yeah, so you, you I don't, I mean, I, I guess it, it remains to be seen. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've seen Julius Randle's transformation, but he also lost uh, a bunch of weight, and gained, but he gained it back in muscle. Like, he looks, he looks like a weightlifter right now, but, but I, but I, I do feel like Randle was doughier than, than Marcus Smart ever really was. And I, I, I guess I never thought of him as like too. I mean, I thought of him as like more muscular, obviously, than the average NBA player. But I never thought of him as needing to lose fat. So when you when you you tell me that Marcus Smart lost twenty pounds, I sort of assumed that he must have lost muscle mass in the process. But, but all that being said, Ray, one of the most fascinating stories to me, like going into uh, before the season actually starts, this preseason scenario, is with third year NBA players. Uh, you know, going into the, their fourth year, and will the, will the team offer them uh, a contract extension before the, the uh, you know full season before their contract is up, trying to save them you know you, the, the team a little money, uh, trying to make sure the guy never even becomes a restricted free agent is really really what it is because uh, usually those offers uh, you know if, if a team offers a guy uh, a contract extension going into his fourth year, it's usually somewhere close to the max, right? Because Otherwise, why would the guy take it? He'll play it out for his fourth year. Somewhere close to like the the max that they can offer a restricted free agent, anyway. Not obviously the the ten year max or whatever. But 
point that I'm making is, so I always like look and, and wonder like, sometimes guys get offered contract and it's like, is it better for the player to, to take the contract or is it better for the team to not even offer the contract? Play it out, let Smart become a restricted free agent and then have to worry about uh, you know whether or not uh, he signs a, a, a restricted you know free agent deal somewhere else and then the Celtics have to yeah. decide whether or not they want to max it. The whole process is much, it's like much more difficult for the team than just locking a guy up a year early. And I think Smart, in, in Smart's case, in, in my opinion, it's like it's so it's particularly like borderline. I mean, we'll get to the other case uh, that I wanted to talk about in a minute, but like I think it's particularly borderline whether they should offer him a contract now or just not offer him a contract at, at all and let his rookie deal play out. But you're, you're saying you don't care, and I, I guess like, I find that interesting too because why would I don't know. Do you just not care that much about Marcus Smart? Is that essentially what you're telling me? Uh, I think I think that um, if you're looking at it from Danny Ainge's perspective, he likes the guys that he just drafted. And I know they're different types of players. They're not the, the small guard type of player that Marcus Smart is. But I also believe that he really likes Terry Rozier as a defensive player. And that <clears throat> when you're looking at what is is – on this team, he may be able to find another high-end defensive player to come in next year or the year after even if Marcus Smart were to go away. So I feel like he's not as valuable as you're making him out to be at this point. And unless his his offense has improved significantly, I am not concerned if, if he's not on this team next year. So then, if the Celtics, if the Celtics were to make him an offer, what kind of like if you were, you know, you're Danny Ainge in this scenario, what kind of number would would like you be willing to throw at him? What what would be your high end number? Out of curiosity. Um, I, I mean, I guess I would I would probably say four four years, thirteen million maybe something like that at most. That's high end. That's like that's the highest I would go. Four for fifty-two. Yep. That, that's where, that's basically where you're going. Yep. I don't. Yeah, I don't mind that number. I, I think that here's the thing that like there are a lot of another interesting thing to me is like because of the way this cap uh, increase and, and now flattening out has worked. Uh, apparently, the NBA like only projects, or not the NBA. Uh, Cap analysts is rather what I meant to say. Some cap analysts only project like five to seven teams having cap space next season, which is interesting, right? Like after all the uh, after like right, cause it's, all it's, these years it's, of spending, cap is not going up as as high as people thought it would. So they've made these deals that are right. going to end up looking like bad deals because it puts them over the cap, and they're going to be stuck with these players because there aren't going to be enough trades to go around. So I mean, it's an all domino effect. Right, so basically, people who were free agents in, in 2016 are going to have better contracts than people who are free agents in 2018. Is, is sort of the projection. So, so maybe there there's extra value even in, in like, how, yeah, how many teams are even going to you know offer Marcus Smart uh, a big deal in in 2018? Considering the I you know I know the Lakers aren't doing it. They're going to be one of the teams that are, that are going to have money in the cap. Uh, there's you know a couple other teams that I. I 
don't make sense for Marcus Smart, who who are going to have money. So I don't know. His his options might be limited anyway. So there is something to the argument of like, yeah, just let him become a restricted free agent. But then you then you risk alienating him, and he doesn't seem like the type of player to. He doesn't seem like he, if you know he had happened to turn on the Celtics for whatever reason, and he had to play that one year uh, restricted free agent year, you know, qualifying offer year out, and then he he become a free agent after that. I don't know how like how much he would put his heart and soul into like playing for the team under that situation without like being any sort of problem just based on how fiery his personality is. Yeah, so I don't know. Sure but I, I also I also believe though if they if they're looking at these other guys as being able to step up, then maybe they just go with it. And who knows? I'm not saying they should trade him, but if Brad Stevens, he's already shown that he's not afraid of benching Marcus Smart. He's done it before, and he will do it again. So if Smart is angry with Danny Ainge for not offering him a contract, and he wants to take that out on the floor, then Brad Stevens is going to put a stop to that in my mind and there's nothing that he can really do about it he will get taken out of games he will get benched if he can if he plays and he's a toxic player on the floor I mean if you're talking about the locker room and things like that maybe that's a different story because Brad Stevens I'm sure believes in free speech and all that so if Smart starts talking there's probably not much that he can do about it Uh, but if he is is not contributing in the way that Stevens thinks he should on the basketball floor then he'll, he'll get sat down so it sounds like you're pretty firmly on the side of wait and see. Don't, don't offer him Definitely. a deal now. Definitely. Yeah, and it might, we'll, it might we'll, only take a, a month or two to make a decision on him. I mean, if he's put, really put in the work, which I believe that he's put work in, I, I wouldn't doubt yeah, that. But, His drive is very high, and he, he has tenacity, and he wants to exceed, and he wants to improve. And he probably wants to be in Boston. I mean, just the way that they've yeah, treated but, him but, over the past few years, I think that the organization has done well by him. And I, I think that uh, he's had a good experience here. So I think That's that he's probably made – he's put the effort in to improve. It's just a matter of whether he's improved enough to earn that huure contract. Yeah, that, but that's not actually how it works, and that, that's why it's interesting because they, they either have to make him an offer now before the season starts, or once the season starts, then he automatically goes into his restricted free agency. And then they have to. And then it right, but at that, at that point, Apple. they 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 have him on the team. They have they have his ear. They they can say, listen, we're going to give you the max offer, or they can say whatever they're they are allowed to say up to that point to make him realize that they believe in what he's he's done. Or if he's really blowing up, then they may not have a choice, and he may feel like he's right. okay I mean, with it and, yeah. play, and still play for the team. You know what I'm saying? Right. Obviously, saying, hey, we're going to sign you, and like actually having someone sign are two different arguments, right? Because uh, you you sign him now, and then you just have him under contract after this year for four more years. If you don't, then he just goes into that restricted free agency, and whatever happens this year happens with him anyway. And that's that's to me why it's interesting because it's like it's a pick your poison situation. You know what I mean? You can make the wrong right. decision, and then yep. have it come back by you. Maybe you don't want Marcus Smart under a four year contract because then when when you see you know, you, you know what I mean? Maybe you sign him for too much right now, then you then the Celtics already have to worry about luxury tax. Uh, so Marcus Smart is making too much money because again the cap's flattened out. Guys aren't getting the same the same value they are they were before, and all of a sudden Smart's overpaid when maybe he didn't have a great fourth season, and you could have gotten him for way less. But it, it goes both ways, and maybe he a lot of players are resentful of you know contract situations where, especially with guys who don't sign right away. 
Celtics make him an offer when he's a restricted free agent. He doesn't sign like you know like Nerlens Noel, and then he then he resents the team, and then he's basically uh, a lame duck. Like I, I mean, I don't think there's any chance Noel should be signed with Dallas next year. And but I but I, I guess all of that is is null and void if you don't really think that Marcus Smart is a a difference maker anyway. It sounds like you're sort of taking that position, in which case you shouldn't offer that contract. Yeah, I mean, I, I think their roster is shaping up. I mean, we, again, if I'm waiting and seeing on, on Marcus Smart, I also need to wait and see on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown uh, and basically everybody that has been added to this team this year. We know more about Marcus Smart than we do about those other guys. So uh, I, I don't need to wait and see on Gordon Hayward. I expect him to be fine. I think Kyrie Irving is going to be more than fine on this team. Um, but – Terry Rozier is even a, a wait-and-see type of player. You know, it, it, does he make a, a step in the right direction? And everybody else on the roster is pretty much not someone that I'm looking at as making right. a big impact now or in, in a few years. So I mean, they're, they're, Marcus Smart may be their best option now, but if the two young guys, basically uh, Brown and, and Tatum, and of course Rozier is a big part of this, if they can step up and, and – play a nice role or they can find a defensive veteran somewhere around the trading deadline or uh, go in next year's off season, then I think that they'll be fine. They just need one more, one more good piece. If they're not keeping Marcus smart to keep them as an actual legitimate contender year in, year out. Well, Brown and Tatum are both still on their rookie deals and they're going to be after this season. So you, it, I mean, obviously you'd like to see improvement from them, but, but you don't have to make a decision on either one of them now. Uh, Rogier, I think, is going into a sports season, but he hasn't played enough or like put up the sort of stats where he's going to get a huge contract anyway. So like, he, I don't like so Smart is really the only guy about about whom like you would even have to think about this decision. The Lakers have this same scenario with Julius Randle, who's going into a sports season, but I. In, you know, he also lost a bunch of weight, got into better shape. But his situation is a little bit different because they're trying to clear as much cap space as possible for, you know, LeBron and Paul George or, or Westbrook. Who they're trying to get two max free agents. And to do that, they basically can't re-sign Randall. So there's no chance they offer him that contract extension. Even though it's like if he plays well enough and, you know, they they feel like they can only get one of those guys. It'll be an interesting offseason with him to see how his cap hold works, but there's definitely no chance of them offering him that deal now, as opposed to a guy like Smart, who I could I could see them offering, but I, I think if they're smart, they'll wait for the same reasons you talk about. I'm, I'm not sure that his value is great enough that you have to have him on this team. And even more than that, like, they're they're looking at that luxury tax situation right now, you know, with, the, with an eye, I'm sure. In any case, what, are, you, are we good on this? You're good on this, right? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, then let's, let's move on to the other interesting guy. Probably even more interesting than Smart, right? Great. What do the Sixers do about Joel Embiid? He's in the same situation as Smart, okay? He's going to be a free agent after this next season. Uh, supposedly, you know, still not ready for the start of this upcoming season, right? I, I heard that he was not healthy yet, Um uh, but he, he will be at some point, but he's missed the first two seasons of his career. Third season of his career, he uh, played 31 games. He's made a statement that, uh, to the media where he said, you know, don't count on me for the entire season. So, look, what do you – again, it's the same thing. He's going to be a free agent. They could offer him a deal now at 
if, if not the max, like something somewhat close to the max, right? He, I'm, I'm sure he would basically sort of be forced to take considering his injury history. You'll probably get him for like a little bit of a value, but in order to like not make him angry, you would want to give him something near the max. But then because he's already been hurt so often, like it's going to be hard for the team to get that, that money completely insured. So, and, and like the Sixers are definitely going to lose a bunch of money, if, you know, if he's not healthy and have this sort of albatross uh, on their albatross cap hit on their their contract unless he just suddenly retires, which is unlikely for a guy at his age, right? What do you do? Do you, do you offer him that deal or not? Uh, this is basically an impossible situation for for the Seventy Sixers because I, I feel like they have already decided to go kind of all in on Joel Embiid. And to me, that uh, is going to probably be their downfall. Um, I just, they've already sort of made this decision on him, it it seems. And they, they, they pretty much, if they go away from him, where are they? They just seem to be stuck. You know, they, they don't have anything else. And, I'm just I feel like they've already bought into the, the the fact that he is their big man of the future. So they need to give him this extension. And if they don't then they're I don't know what they're going to do. And I mean maybe they maybe they really like Sarich, you know, maybe they're going to go with him, but I just if they're looking for that rim protector type of player and explosive type of player that he could be, then Embiid's the guy, but he's unproven. So I feel like they're in a, a worse situation than the Celtics. At least you can have a little bit of confidence that Marcus Smart is going to stay healthy and be an, a, a successful player in the NBA. I'm still not that confident about Joel Embiid, but he has so much more potential. His ceiling, if he hits it, it, it was so much higher coming into the, the league. that, and the, and the Sixers have put so much into him already that it feels – sort of asinine to not give him a deal. I don't, I don't know really where I fall on this one, but I feel like they're going to give him the, the extension and then it's not going to work out for them. I sort of feel this in the exact same way as you. I, I don't know what the right answer is. I feel like you can, you can make the, the complete right decision in the scenario and it can, it can turn around and bite you in the back either way, right? Very, uh, Joel Embiid got hurt on January 20th and had uh, a meniscus surgery normally takes four to six weeks to recover. He still hasn't been cleared to play. And it is, what, September 26th? This, this is what we're talking about with this guy. Like, they have to decide, again, they have to figure out whether or not to, make, to offer this, offer him this extension uh, before the start of the season. If not, he becomes a restricted free agent, again, at, at, at which point other teams are going to be making him offers. Like, right, a, a team, a desperate team is going to have to, like, make Joel Embiid a max offer, right? Someone's going to have to do that. I don't think that he he gets into his free agent. Like if they don't, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. If if the Sixers don't try to extend him now, there's going to be there's going to be a team out there. uh, I think Indiana is a team that's going to have max cap space next year. Uh, Like what? You know, Indiana's going to be bad regardless. In in, like they're going to have a hard time getting free agents. You you don't think they're going to offer Joel Embiid a max deal in that scenario? Like of, of course they are, right? So then the Sixers are stuck paying him more than they would than, than they pay him now, uh, and, and again, he, you know he 
he might be alienated by that scenario like a lot of guys are. I don't think he would be – I think the difference is I don't think Joel Embiid – like there's no way he could sign the qualifying offer. I think if the Sixers matched, he would just sort of have to go back to them considering his injury history, right? Like if you're going to beat, there's no way you can you can play out a year in Philadelphia uh, making – Oh, right. Coming off the right. You would, you would have to be yeah. so worried about your own injury history that you would rather take that deal, I think, than, than risk yeah. uh, losing it in the first month of the season. Yeah, if you're beat, you can't bet on yourself next season. But I, I just, but then again, the Sixers are still probably paying way more than they would be paying now if they if they made an an offer. But again, it, it's like I don't know. I feel bad. I feel bad for them. I hope it works out for Embiid. I do think I think Embiid's ceiling. If we're talking about his absolute ceiling, it might be best player in the NBA if you just look at everything he's capable of doing. You know what I mean? He, in, in the fact that he's still young, he he could if he was a guy who was healthy and consistently did the things that he could. His in my opinion, like just the fact that he's like, you know, he has more range than than the guys like Davis. He's hit he hits threes. He's a better passer than you know, uh, guys like Demarcus Cousins who can step out and hit. I don't know. He just does everything all those bigs do, but he sort of does more. He, you know, he does it better. But he just can't stay healthy, and I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think he is going to stay healthy. And right? If you fear to bet right now, like. We'll yeah, I, I would make. You know what? I I would probably make that tough decision and um, offer him. I would probably offer him a low ball type of extension, and not that not like extremely low. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go crazy uh, and and like say you deserve the the mid level exception type of money over four years. Um, but I'm also not looking to give him millions and millions of dollars, I, I'd probably give him this, a similar type of offer as, as I would give Marcus Smart, 4 and 52, or maybe bump it up to 55, something like that. Uh, but I don't, I don't think he deserves much more than that at this point. He hasn't, he hasn't proved his worth as far as being healthy is concerned. I would guess, and I'm sure, I think they would, I would guess that they will make an, an offer, and I would guess that it'll be like a, It'll be like seventeen a year. That's that's what I would guess, but it won't be twenty five. Yeah. So yeah. that's. I mean, that's too too much in my mind. I I would bring it back down. Yeah. I. But I. Yeah. I. I would. I hear what you're saying, but I don't think they're also they also need to get him to sign it. You know what I mean? And I I, I think that it's going to have to right. be somewhere. Right. So, in but, that so that's. I guess. I guess that's that's the the danger. And I, I guess I'm falling on the, in the same sort of camp as I am with Marcus Smart. Whereas if if I'm Philadelphia and he's not on the team next year, I guess I take my chances. It just feels a little worse, you know. It feels like it's a, a little bit more hurtful as an organization to sort of say, "Oh, we really believed in this guy and he he fell right on his face." Whereas Marcus Smart has not fallen on his face at all. He has contributed and he has improved every year and he stayed healthy for the most part. So if I'm Philadelphia, I, I feel a lot worse about just letting Embiid walk away, but I would still take that, that approach for the most part. All right, fair enough. I, yeah, I think it's, that's going to be hard for them to do because I think at this point he is their sort of hope for the future. He's their best player. He's the guy – I mean, we don't know about Simmons or Fultz, but he's the guy who's proven it on the court, and I would be surprised if either one of those two dudes showed more talent like while he played than Embiid showed. So – it's just hard to like give up on the guy who could be the potential for your future, but then he could also be your Bill Walton, you know, and who knows? 
But uh, well, if he's if he's their Bill Walton, then he'll bring them to a championship and then leave. Or be hurt for five years and then leave. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the championship part would be nice, but that's not happening. <laughs> nope. Uh, in no, any it's case, not. Wait, there's another guy who uh, recently moved. Moved teams. I didn't think it was going to happen. Did you? It came out of nowhere. Listen, I was literally I was standing in the middle of the baseball hall of fame and a guy that was standing next to me was sort of on his phone, but he was taking videos and something was popping up on his phone. And he said something to me. I don't, I can't remember what it was, but I thought that he was talking about the video that was right in front of us. And I think he said something like, this can't be real. And I was like, what do you mean this can't be real? We're watching a, a video in the Baseball Hall of Fame. It, it's, it's, a, it's, been, it's a videotape. It's, it's like, it's, of course it's real. And right. he was talking about a text that his friend had gotten that said Carmelo Anthony was traded. And he was like, this, I don't know, this can't be real. All right, well. Uh, whatever, and we got, we went back to watching the the video that was in, in front of us. I went off and looked at some other stuff, and sort of came back to the, the same room that he was standing in before, and he hadn't left. And and he he says, or I turned to him and I said, "Listen, that Carmelo Anthony thing is real. I just saw it on Twitter." And he said, "Yeah, my friend just called me, even though I didn't answer. He's calling me though. It's got to be real." And I was like, "This is crazy. It came out of nowhere." is my point of this long-winded baseball hall of fame story. But I mean, I wasn't even thinking anything of basketball this weekend, to be honest with you. And lo and behold, there, there I was standing in a shrine for baseball, hearing basketball news. And I loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing. I started telling all my friends that were there. They were like, yeah, that's crazy, but we, we don't care. We're like in the baseball hall of fame. And I was like, I do care. So here we are. Talking about a big deal in the NBA, mellow moves. This is this is a huge deal to me, Calvin. Because for the Celtic, from the Celtics' perspective, not that the Knicks were going to be a threat, but there's always that that uh, I don't know fake shine that the Knicks have that maybe they're going to be good at the beginning of the season and people think they can contend. So you you always have to sort of think about them in the back of your mind. Now I don't think you have to think about the Knicks whatsoever. And while that hurts the Celtics from the Brooklyn Nets draft pick perspective, I, I just I think it's it's good overall for the team because they just they're going to be far and away better than everybody in their division, except maybe Toronto, and they're going to be able to build confidence against those teams, and I think it's just going to it's it's going to help them down the line, and more importantly. If you're a Western Conference basketball fan like yourself, wow, did did that race just heat up or what? The Western Conference playoffs are going to be insane this year, Calvin. Do can you agree with that? Yeah, I can. I, I am I am excited about that. Although I, I'm not sure. First of all, Roy, I, I feel like that entire uh, Cooperstown story was, was just you trying to uh, sneak in your a humble brag about getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame this weekend. But, uh, about, yeah, I, I do feel like it, it'll be interesting. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical about how this will work. Can I just say, I'm, I'm that guy. I, I had to argue with my roommate a little bit. Like, 
and yeah, you, you could say, oh, it's because you're a Laker fan. Like, uh, you, you just want Paul George to leave, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I think Paul George is leaving anyway. Like, I don't, I don't think that it, it affects it either way. And even if he stays, it's like, I don't know. Anyway, the, the, but the part I'm making is, is like, I'm not, I, I know Billy Donovan has already said, like, Carmelo's going to come out and play the four. Um, I'm just not sure how that's going to work, like, rebounding or, de- or defensively. Uh, I'm not sure how that works in terms of floor spacing because Carmelo is not really a particularly uh, good three-point shooter, nor does he, like, like taking three-pointers for the most part. So, I, I you know, we'll see if he advances his, his game this year to, like, become more of a corner three-point shooter because that probably would be his position and, and offensively on the floor. Then I don't think that that really takes advantage of what Carmelo does. I think it'll be it'll be better when when there are staggered units. It's ironic that that uh, reporter asked Carmelo if he would come off the bench, and he laughed because I I, I think it'll help uh, OKC when Westbrook is off the floor significantly. You know, putting the ball in Carmelo's hands and having George. I think George is a much better off ball player. The guy who come off screens oh. than than Carmelo is. All right, but so all let's, together, let's, I'm, yeah. Let's break this down. Then you know what I would say to that. Let's see if it's going to be Stephen Adams, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Paul George. Let's go with Andre Ro- Roberson, right, at, at shooting guard, yep. and uh, yep. Russell Westbrook. Uh, yep. I would say just just quickly looking at the rest of their roster, they probably trust Patrick Patterson quite a bit to come in and oh, play that power that. forward position. So if they were right. to take Westbrook off the floor, they can shift both Carmelo and Paul George down a little bit and put Patrick Patterson on the floor as well uh, and take Roberson out or something like that um, and, and put whoever their backup point guard is going to be cannon or whatever to, to be, to, to just be the, the zero and have those other guys out there. Other than that though, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. This is kind of a, a strange situation for them. They've got three superstar players on their team Two of them basically play the same position, and they don't really have someone to play that that power forward position other than Patrick Patterson. So, they're, as far as rebounding is concerned, you can look for Stephen Adams to average twelve to fifteen rebounds a game this year, in my opinion, because they are just going to clear out and let him run wild. And if he plays well and he is as strong as I think that he's going to be, he's going to be scooping up every single rebound while the, all those other guys are sort of hanging around the perimeter. So rebounding, I'm not too concerned about. If I'm Oklahoma City, my big problem is figuring out where the offense is going to come from when one or two of those guys are on the bench. And more importantly, can that unit actually play defense? Roberson's the only really great defensive player on this team, in my opinion. Well, George is pretty pretty damn good defensive player. He's pretty good, so maybe they'll rely on him for more of that. But, I mean, is he just going to give up his offense for to focus on defense more? Maybe he will. Maybe he doesn't have to. I, I don't know. But I'm looking at Roberson as their superstar defensive player. And otherwise, I don't, I don't know yeah, how Adams well they're going to play. Adams is a very good defensive player as well. I, my thing is, like, I – Wait, yeah, who? I'm just not sure – Adams. Adams is a very good defender. Oh, Adams. Okay. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. I yeah, thought you said I, Cannon I think, for a second. I was going to just go crazy on you. Oh. And I do I do think that, like, that Melo's defense in recent years has not been as bad. I feel like he sort of gets a bad rap for being a guy who plays no defense. When it, at, at this point, he's kind of an average defender. He's not bad. He's right? trying. 
West, Westbrook is an, he's a gambler, but but he probably grades out as like in the average percentile, right? He can make spectacular plays, but also have lapses in judgment. He's, like Westbrook's not James Harden defensively. Could agree with that too. I I think I'm I'm sort of weirdly more okay with him defensively than I am with him offensively. I don't I don't know why that is, Eddie Mello. I just, it sounds like a weird thing to say. I think Mello's like strong enough, especially with the league going smaller. I think he's strong enough to defend most fours. They, they're going to have him play for. I just feel like it, to me, it's it's more of the offense of like. Carmelo being a ball stopper basically his his entire career in terms of, of a usage rate, not even in a negative way, like is is Russell Westbrook gonna be cool with that? I don't I don't know that he is. You know what I mean? And, and George by the way, George going into free agency as well. and Paul George is a guy who likes having a shot. Like I'm not sure that like I guess I'm, I'm from a perspective of like how many balls and like where where guys are positionally I'm not sure it works in terms of like floor spacing. I'm, I, I'm, we, yeah, I'm more concerned about offense weirdly than I am about defense. Yeah. So I will say this though. Go. The, the, the fact that they, yeah, the fact that they traded him for Anis Cantor's uh, albatross contract. I know Carmelo has an albatross contract too. They traded him for Anis Cantor and Doug McDermott. Which, if you're OKC, you have to make that trade. Oh yeah, that's a steal. Uh, that's yeah. that's no yeah. doubt steal material. That is, we fleeced you because you don't want Carmelo, and this is the best deal that you could you could get. Yeah, they, they if, made a good deal. If, you have to commend Presti for yeah. that one for sure. And if if Car- and if Carmelo doesn't work out in the starting lineup, which again I'm you know I like to make bold statements sometimes. I'm gonna I'm gonna plant my flag right now and say that it's not going to work with Carmelo as a starter. Um, it remains to be seen whether or not Billy Donovan has any balls. But if he does, and uh, in, in he you know realizes that Carmelo is not going to work in the starting lineup with Westbrook and George, and moves Carmelo to that sixth man role, then watch out. And who who is it? Second Patterson. Who steps guys? in though? I think Pat- Patterson. Yeah, Patterson would fit perfectly with that lineup. Definitely. All right. Because if it's not Patterson, then I'm going to call BS on you because I don't know who else it would be. Uh, I, I don't have OKC's roster right in front Nick, of me. Nick Collison, I'm, that's another option. How do you feel about him? And most of these uh, other guys, either I've never heard of them or they're too small or uh, they don't even have a picture on the NBA.com roster for, for Oklahoma City. So that should tell you enough. Well, Nick Nick Collison is a mascot at this point. I mean, I, I like Nick, Nick right. Collison, but he's not right. Which is why yeah. I'm saying it's if you're trying to if you're trying to play traditional, you're going to go Patrick Patterson at the four, unless you're talking about getting Roberson out of the starting lineup, and then you have some more options because well, uh, you you can you can push Carmelo down, but I don't think that's what you're saying. You're saying you want to get Carmelo out entirely and he was going to be the one playing the four. So maybe you push Paul George to the four and you have more options that way. That's what I was going to say. I I know that he hates doing it, but but Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Nobody, like it seems like so many players in the NBA, like complain about having to play up, but they don't like the physicality or whatever, but it makes the team like, I I think Paul George at the four makes plenty of sense. Where okay, you know, if they had more shooters, I guess it would make even more. Okay, sense, so they can trade then, for a guy. then wouldn't 
then wouldn't it just make more sense to keep Carmelo at the three and just play George at the four and do some sort of switch on defense and offense? Because I, I don't know. I, unless you really think that they're that they're losing something by having an extra offensive weapon in that starting lineup, and you want to bring a Jeremy Grant in and push Paul George up, I just I don't understand where you're going with this. If you're gonna take Carmelo out of the out of the uh, starting lineup, you're you're basically just saying he's a six man regardless of what position he plays. Period. Because I'm not I'm not really talking about positional so much as I'm talking about uh, usage on on ball off ball. Russell Westbrook is a guy who has the ball in his hands a lot. And the the ideal way to play with Russell Westbrook is to be a spot-up shooter, a guy, a, a catch-and-shoot guy, a guy who uh, will come off screens, a guy who doesn't have to be catch-and-shoot. It can be a guy who is a rim runner, a guy who, like Stephen Adams, is a rim runner. I think, think Melo can catch-and-shoot, though. I think he's shown that over the course of his career. He just doesn't necessarily but, but, like to. Well, again, Carmelo has never really shown... Uh, you know, when, to be effective, a, a real catch and shoot player, you're a guy who's going to take catch and shoot threes. Carmelo Anthony has never really been that guy to take catch and shoot threes. He's a guy who like, and he's a guy who doesn't make quick decisions for the most part. If you, you usually when you hand Carmelo the ball, he's he's at the mid post, or he's he's going to dribble drive. He's a driver. He's a slasher, much like Paul George is. But but it, it's fine to have that on your team with Westbrook, who's also a slasher, by the way, and not. It's not like Carmelo is going to be consistently slashing the rim and passing it out to Westbrook, who's going to hit open threes. Like that's not that's not any of their games, except for sort of Paul George to a degree. But like, but what? But that's my issue is like the usage rate of Westbrook in the style of basketball with Westbrook, uh, you know, matched up with the style of basketball that Carmelo Anthony plays. I'm not like I think that that that'll work for limited minutes, but I I don't necessarily think that it'll work keeping them on the floor for, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game. Yeah, Billy Donovan is going to have a lot of decisions to make here as far as how he rotates players in and out, how long he sticks with Carmelo in the starting lineup, which one of these young guys that don't have a picture on their roster actually is going to get playing time. Uh, All that is going to be tough on him, but I think more often than not, they're going to find a way to win games because they have Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and Paul George, that's that's going to win a lot of games for them. So oh, I overall, yeah, I'm not for, the, for, the, for the Thunder, yeah. I'm not too concerned. But when it comes down to playoff basketball that I was alluding to earlier, they probably aren't going to really go that far, which is a shame. That's mostly what I was talking about. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're, they're making quotes like, you know, watch out, uh, watch out, Warriors. Like, I don't think that they're a watch out, Warriors kid. That's really what I'm saying. Like, uh, the Thunder will end up with a four. Oh, definitely not. I mean, they'll be... Yeah. Well, so that I was. Fine. This is what I was thinking earlier when you were talking about how the, the spacing of the floor and how the roster just doesn't really fit together. And I'm thinking, well, the Warriors just kind of did the same thing. But oh wait, they have a point guard, they have a shooting guard, and they have a, a guy that can play three or four as their superstars. Whereas uh, Oklahoma City has a point guard and two three slash fours. So Oklahoma, uh, Golden State has spread it out considerably as far as their superstardom is concerned. And Calvin, I will say it right now. That is what Danny Ainge has been trying to do for the last six years or more. I would say that's the way he's trying to do it. Point guard, shooting guard and three slash four. He's almost there because he's got the point guard. 
He's got the three slash four in Hayward. It's just sort of that Horford thing. I love Al Horford. I'm not trying to knock on Al Horford. He's more of a four or five type of player, of course. But if they can find that shooting guard superstar on this team with the young guys, then they are in really great shape going forward in the future. They've been modeling Golden State ever since they realized that that was the way the league was going. And this is why they should have kept Avery Bradley. Ah, oh, killing me, killing me. I'm not saying he's, he would have been a superstar, but I think he would have fit in really well. Anyway, I digress. We're not talking about the Celtics anymore. Um, I can tell you're excited about the season because you, you spun a, a complete non-Celtics topic. We, we didn't yeah. even mention any Celtics. You That's right. You just went off. You just had a little mini rant in there. About what Danny Ainge is doing and he's accomplishing his hey, goals. I, I found a way to connect the Oklahoma City topic to the Boston Celtics by going through Golden State, the champions, and back down based on how the roster is shaping up with superstars. What do you think about that? Boom! On the spot. What's next? Great. Well, uh, uh, you, you know, maybe you can find a, a way to tie this back into the Celtics. In fact, I'll, I'll help you out. We're going to do a little list game now, a little list game time. All right. We, we did it last week. We, we, did, we did the uh, ESPN's NBA ring. Of, of, yeah. Thank you. Rex Ryan wants a snack for list game. Yeah. That's the top ten players in the NBA, uh, as according to ESPN. And now I found another list by SB Nation, which is kind of more interesting because it's speculative. The top, who are the top ten players? Oh, really? This is a top hundred list. Of who the top hundred NBA players are going to be in 2021? And I'll, I'll just give you a couple of uh, Celtics slash former Celtics. Have their ages? How old they're going to be in 2021 too? Which is kind of nice. Uh, they have Isaiah Thomas as the 51st best player in the NBA as a 30 year, a 32 year old in 2021. That's nice, right? Uh, Isaiah Thomas. You know, Interesting. Yeah. You don't care about him anymore, maybe? They, uh, well, the 51st, I mean, I feel like – so, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm not going to go too far on this list game because you're throwing some names out there. But yeah. uh, I feel like Isaiah Thomas, either he's going to fall further than that or he's going to stay better than that in four years. I don't – that seems too too middling for him. I understand where you're going with that because he's, he's like an Iverson physical type where it's like yeah. he loses that – yeah, once he loses what makes him great, he'll probably fall right, right off the cliff. Exactly. Yeah, so you, you, yeah, you're probably right with that. But, um, yeah, so uh, – and anyway, uh, former Celtic Jay Crowder was going to be 92nd, the 92nd best player in the NBA. Okay, okay, sure. As a 30-year-old. Yeah. They've got Avery Bradley as the 82nd best player in the NBA as a 30-year-old. Oh, 82nd. I don't know about that. I'd go, I'd go higher on that. But, I mean, in four years, maybe not. I, yeah. I just – I feel like yeah. he's on a good – Tra- uh, trajectory right now. They've got you know, Marcus, the previously discussed Marcus Smart, as the 73rd best player in the NBA as a 27-year-old. All right. I can believe uh, that. Ahead of Ricky, yeah. Uh, ahead of Rodney Hood, it was just behind Ricky Rubio and Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, see, but, uh, uh, nah, we're getting too deep into this already because Ricky Rubio, give me a break. The guy, the guy is probably going to be washed up in a year or two. I love Rubio. I love what he's done, but. He's, he's, the same, he's the same type of player, and he can't shoot. He's, he's he's a small guy who can't shoot, and he can't defend. He, he sees passing lanes and stuff, but he relies on quickness for that. Once that goes, he's done, totally done. Whereas Isaiah I think Thomas 
could probably still shoot and score a little bit if if his quickness goes. Well, if they have Isaiah ranked, uh, Ricky Rubio six four. He's not a small point guy, by the way. But uh, yeah. Anyway, it, I mean, they had Isaiah ranked above him. I, I Isaiah was fifty third. Ricky Rubio right. was seventy he, something. So. I know he deserves to be, but I'm just saying Rubio around right. those other guys that you just mentioned is kind of strange to me. Anyway. Anyway, they have uh, they have Jason Tatum at forty nine. One, one behind, yeah, one behind in, in the person who made this pick acknowledged that it was ridiculously speculative, but it's just fun to say. Well, uh, Lakers Summer League standout Kyle Kuzma one spot ahead of Jason Tatum on this, on this list. Wait, how did they so do this? Fun. Did they do it in, like, a draft situation and they, like, had people make picks? Did, yeah. Or was there some sort yeah. of consensus among people to, to tally votes, et cetera? No, they did it in the draft style. Yeah, Ugh. which is obviously see that's yeah, yeah that's that that loses so have, credibility right off yeah. the bat. So they have they have Jason Tatum at forty nine and Jalen Brown at forty five. So they, they think Brown's going to be a better pro than Tatum. I think that I agree with that slightly. Well, but someone I thought that. Probably don't. I'm sorry. Someone thought that. Not necessarily all of them. How many people were in this draft? Uh it was fine. I mean, I mean, look, this is their list. You're, 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 uh, you're quibbling with the list now. I'm, I'm just saying. I know, I, Calvin. I don't like your source. I, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of your source. I'm just. I'll, I'll say that right now. Okay, that's fine. Just play along. Just play along. With I don't like the process. Take a good time. Just play along, Ray. I'm playing a game here. Look, this is not. Uh, I'll tell you what. It doesn't matter if one person did this. It doesn't matter if there was a consensus of a thousand people. These people are not going to be able to predict who the best players in the league are going to be. In the right. So I'm calling, so I'm calling the BS list. again. I'm calling BS again for the second time in the show on this, on this list. But continue. We'll, we'll, we'll finish the yeah. segment. I'm just saying they, they have Jalen Brown slightly ahead of Tatum. And I, I, I kind of think that Brown's going to be a better pro than Tatum. Tell me I'm crazy. No, you're not crazy, but I, I just no. – and I understand. You're setting, you're setting up what's about to happen with the top ten yeah. or whatever. But this list is BS, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the rails on them. So they, yeah, they've got. Uh, it looks like uh, Jalen Brown is the best player. Wait, no, they've got Gordon Hayward at 47. No, yeah, mm-hmm. wait, Jalen Brown's 45. Let me Kyrie see. Irving, where is Kyrie Irving on this list? Oh yeah, Kyrie Irving. Let me see. Oh, he must Kyrie. be in the top 10. He's probably up there. Kyrie Irving is not in the top ten. Is this a list? What is a list game, though? The list is going to be. It is, wait, wait. He might be in the top ten, actually. This uh, is what I'm saying. You better be careful when you're naming yeah, numbers. Right. I was going to the top eleven. Yeah, you're right. Kyrie Irving is number eight in this top ten. Boom! All right, gave right. one away. Yeah. Already yeah. won the list game. Ready? Uh, they have the best player. In 2021, in the NBA, as I'm, according to SB Nation, as Carl Anthony Towns, am I telling the truth or am I lying? Uh, you are telling the truth. Five. You're telling the truth, sir. I think that a lot of people are high on Carl Anthony Towns, and in a few years, they're going to be looking at him as the next superstar, surpassing Anthony Davis. So. Maybe I can get a half point if it's actually Anthony Davis, but I'll say you're you're telling the truth. I'll, I'll go with yes. Ray, there are no half points in this game. Uh, I respect you for trying to get that in there because it is Anthony Davis. 
But they'll probably have Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. They'll probably have Anthony Towns as, as the third best player in the NBA as, as a 25-year-old and Anthony Davis as the best player in the NBA okay. as a 28-year-old. Who do you okay. think they have as the second best player in 2021, four years from now? This guy will be 26 then? I'll give, give you a little hint there. Second best player um, in the NBA in 2021. Second best player in the NBA in 2021. He's 26 years old. I'm trying to think. Uh, Giannis. It's got to be Giannis Antetokounmpo. It is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes. That's, all right. I got one. What do I play for that? I don't even. Don't, do I even have a. <laughs> yeah. I'll just play this one. This is good. The ice bucket. What do I. <gasps> uh huh. Don't, don't you have a yes? I'll bet you a yes. No. Oh, wait. Hmm. Is that the Ray Lewis one? Nope. That's the. the yeah. Oh, I can play the Ray Lewis one. Because I'm pissed off for greatness. Honestly, Calvin, this is the trimmed down version of our of our clips because it's. I mean, they've been gone for a while. And All right, fair enough. That's just the way it is. All right, I, I can live with that. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably about right. Right, Giannis probably is the second best player in the NBA. No problem with this list so far, other than. How it was made. Well, you know, you know what tipped me off to that is the fact that uh, last week you were talking about how ESPN was ranking players, and I was surprised at how high they ranked Giannis. So I said, you know what, people are high on Giannis. I'm going with him, and he's he looks like he's got the potential to be that type of player. Yes. All right. Who you? Hmm. Okay. Rory, they have the fourth best player in the NBA uh, in 2021. That's LeBron James. Are you just, do you want me to, it's, do wrong. Yeah, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You want another one? Like, how many, how many do I have to play? So you're, you're, you're right, it is not LeBron James. No. Uh, they have LeBron James as the seventh best player in the NBA in 2021. Oh. As a it's just ahead of Kyrie Irving, ironically. Oh, jeez, please. <laughs> uh, any, any guesses? Any guesses for the guy that they have for it? Um, I'm going with Kawhi Leonard big... just because I like him and I think that he's going to be – he's still up and coming, and I think people are high on him as well. And I think that he's going to overachieve in San Antonio. I'm going with Kawhi Leonard. Bray, I like that choice. Their choice, which is utterly ridiculous to me, fourth best player in 2021, Chris Stapps Porzingis. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna have to find another another clip to play for when they're wrong because this it's just there's not Porzingis. Give me a break. Good player, great, probably going to be a great player for a couple years, but the fourth best. There are plenty of other yeah, high-end talents out there that that could surpass him, and I would probably, and I would think, should surpass him by that time. That time, that's that's that seems back to my original point. This list is is BS. It's terrible. They've got yeah, they've got Jokic at fourteen, who I would take over Porzingis in a heartbeat. Anyway, yeah. Uh, you know, just I guess I'm only comparing them because they're tall European guys. Uh, yeah, I've only the things I've ever seen. Is that good for a no? Your Waldman impersonation? Yeah, uh, a little long. Maybe a little long. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant, well, I think wrong is a no, right? You need a yes. But anyway. Yeah, but I've been, uh, I've been playing it a lot. It's it, it's. Hmm. All right, fine. Yeah. Anyway, 
Kawhi, by the way, is the sixth best player on this list, just so you know, at, at 29. But the guy right ahead of him, and you can tell me if I'm telling the truth or not, Kevin Durant. He would be 32 then, in 2021. Wow. <clears throat> um, that shows a lot of faith in his ability to stay stronger, faster, and better than every other up-and-coming star. And he seems to be built like the type of guy that's not going to be able to do that. But I think that he's put himself in a good enough situation that he's not going to have as much wear and tear on his body over the next couple of years. I'm going to factor that in. I'm, I'm going with, I'm going with, that's what they say. And I agree with it. Actually, Yeah. I, I would actually, I go the other way. I think Kevin Durant's got seven feet tall and he's got long arms. Like, I feel like he could be he could be the next jerk. Kevin Durant could shoot fadeaway jump shots for the next hmm. 15 years, in my opinion. Yeah, good yeah. point, actually. Hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I don't see how Kevin Durant, unless he gets hurt, assuming health, and you, but you can assume that with all these guys, right? Assuming health, Kevin Durant's going to be fine, probably, probably fine longer than LeBron. In, in any way, in any case, yeah, I think he'll I, I think he'll probably still be better than Towns. That, that's where I'm going with this. Uh, Let's see. So Kawhi six, LeBron seven, Kyrie eight. Murray is Russell Westbrook nine. Oh boy, do I hope so. Uh, I can't. I can't imagine who else it would be. And uh, duh, I'm probably maybe I'm not thinking of somebody. Maybe I'm not not considering like the. Oh, do, do they throw faults in there? Do they throw Ben Simmons in there? One of the Philadelphia guys. Do they do they take? I don't know. Uh, I can't even think right. of his name right now. Well, but anyway, are they throwing somebody else so in there? Just so, just so you know, they have Fultz at 21, Ben Simmons at 20, and Alonzo Ball at 19. Who's who's the yeah, Phoenix? Oh, Devin Booker. Where's Devin Booker on this list? Because they may throw him up there. That's the other guy I was thinking of. Devin Booker they have at 16. They have... Not even in college yet, Marvin Bagley at 15. Okay. So that's that's yeah. good to know. So then, no, it can't be anybody but Westbrook, right? I mean, just, uh, please, this list. Very previously discussed on the show tonight. No, Joel and me don't do that to me. I don't like this list. There are too many cooks in this damn list. Westbrook was ten now. They gave him. They gave him ten. That's that's nice. Yeah. Next three: Harden, Lillard, and still thirty-three-year-old Steph Curry at thirteen. I don't know how you feel about any of them, but I'm okay with Steph, most of those. I yeah. mean, Steph Curry is maybe surprising, but I'd have to probably really look at the rest of the list and see who I would want to put it in front of them. Um, right. But uh, I I don't know. I mean, the, ugh, can you just? Uh, I just I don't feel yeah. good about. It. I mean, who else? Who else could it be? Really, nobody else. That's it. You feel bad about all the other. All the other players seem like they would be falling off, or they wouldn't get high enough to be uh, better than uh, guys that you just mentioned: Alonzo Ball, Ben Simmons that we talked about earlier, John Wall. I mean, that seems to be it. Who else is there? I mean, there's Brandon Ingram, huh? What? Maybe maybe a guy like Andrew Wiggins puts it together. You know, you never know. 
Oh, sure. Andrew Wiggins, sure. I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe a guy like Gordon Hayward actually takes a bigger step forward. How about that? But it's hard to put him that high because he'll be 31 at that point. And like, of course. How, many, how, many, like, how much better will he be then than he is now? It's hard, it's hard to imagine him being that much better uh, because he's not somebody who, whose game is built on freakish athleticism to where like, you're like, okay, well, he took a crazy step forward athletically. And he sort of does everything well right now, right? Right. Or who are these other guys that are going to get drafted? Like, I don't know. I'm going to Google this right now. I'm going to see this list unless you want to move on. And All right. Yeah, uh, you know what? Yeah. Just a few. All you have to do is Google something. You can find the thing really quickly. So I found the list, Calvin. And... Uh, just looking down it through 40 or 50 or so, a lot of these players were drafted mid to to late top 10. Three, four, five, eight. Okay. We don't – so the point is that there are guys that they're project, projecting to be in the top 30 that haven't even – that didn't go that high in the draft, right? So there's probably going to be someone next year or the year after – or even the year after that, that gets drafted three, four, or five, that would leap over a handful of these players. So I would say that you should pair, not you, but they should should have pared this list down to guys that are either top three this year and not anymore after that, or that aren't rookies at all, and just sort of look at who they think is, is still going to be an, at an elite status. Otherwise it's kind of convoluted and it, it's just, it seems, it seems like there's too much involved and uh, I don't like the list. It's, it sucks. So you, I was going to say you're really going all out to criticize this purely speculative, speculative list, which I'm sure the creators of would acknowledge there's no chance of, of being historically accurate. Good. You really like, you're saying, I hope they do hey, acknowledge they that. It sucks. Yeah. You're like, hey, they should have done this different thing. They should have done this differently. They should have they should have been able to predict which late first round rookies were going to be successful. I mean, come on, right? Yeah, not good. Uh, not good. Okay, fine. We can move on then. Okay, so, so uh, we move to another type of basketball and a scandal in the mix. Can you believe it? And it's not that Rex Ryan is hungry. It's it's that the NCAA has uncovered some things, or more importantly, Calvin, the FBI yeah. has uncovered some things. The FBI has definitely uncovered some things. Uh, they've, they've uncovered a vast conspiracy in college basketball, right? I mean, even right now it's vast, but uh, apparently it, what has been reported to just be the tip of the iceberg because uh, – they, the FBI only revealed enough evidence to to get a probate warrant, um, and they've, they've apparently got a lot of evidence that's yet to be introduced uh, in, in regards to multiple schools, including Louisville. Uh, four assistant coaches for various teams, which already I find interesting. Uh, Auburn's former NBA player Chuck Person, Oklahoma State's Lamont Evans. <laughs> the Arizona, sheriff, what do they call him? The sheriff? Chuck Person? Sorry, go ahead. He was the sheriff, yeah. <laughs> uh, Emmanuel Book Richardson in USC's Tony Bland. If your last name is Bland, that's just unfortunate, right? 
especially like if you're not a dynamic, you have to be a dynamic person to get away with your last name being bland. Otherwise, you're just going to take some heat. In any case, so they're being charged with all kinds of stuff. Bribery conspiracy, solicitation of bribes, uh, honest services fraud conspiracy, a crime I've never heard of. Honest service fraud, again, I've never heard of. Conspiracy to commit wire fraud and travel act conspiracy. I mean, that's pretty good, right? I mean, it sounds like so, they got him on all sorts of money laundering and all that stuff. Like, it, it, it's it's a, quite the scandal. And it's involving bribes and just money going back and forth and spending on recruits and what have you. So, so I, I think what's interesting to me about this, one of the things is that, like, usually in this situation, um, in, in terms of uh, – you know, college basketball or football recruiting scandals, uh, it tends to be flowing in one direction, which is the direction of coaches trying to get recruits to their school and then getting outside interests to uh, funnel money to the player or their family in order to get them to come to to said school, which happens to some degree in this situation. But, like, the the bigger part of this uh, scandal is apparently going the other way, which I never even considered, which is that, like... Uh, all these four assistant coaches and apparently others, somebody connected to Louisville, we don't know who that is yet, like I said, other, other people, uh, were all connected to an executive at Adidas who was basically trying to get recruits to sign with Adidas-sponsored schools and and then to, to then sort of foster, give them money and foster their careers so that then, then they would sign again with Adidas when they became pros. So, and, so they were working with coaches funnel money back to Adidas. Right. And then the so this, would, this would, is this is on the highest level of conspiracy and bribery and, and illegal money laundering um, that there is because it involves a very, very lucrative private company in the United States teaming with an NCAA institution that is not supposed to be spreading any of this money around to their players, et cetera. Yeah. So he. So anyway. Uh, so what's what's happening here again? They're steering kids into going to certain schools that are Adidas sponsored schools, so those schools will do better. The kid will go go become a pro and then sign with Adidas. So Adidas makes money, and the coach benefits by having obviously the kid at their school. But it's really more. It's there. It, it's really more about like Adidas making money. And and the thing to me, Marie, is like. Do you know whose fault this is? This is the NCAA's fault. Because the NCAA allows for schools to foster relationships with with companies like Adidas. Like Adidas sponsors schools, which are then not, not allowed to sponsor athletes, but allowed to like have these relationships where Adidas pays, pays for all sorts of school-related functions, gives the school money, donates to the school. Everything, everything that is happening with these recruits that now uh, – they're getting in trouble for. They're essentially doing the exact same thing with these coaches. Like they're they're legally allowed to give them money, and so now, yeah, a, a relationship gets fostered because of that, because of what's allowed by the NCAA under their rules. And then they're surprised when they turn around and they do it with the students. Like, in my opinion, none of this would have happened if like if Adidas was never allowed to get a foothold into uh, public public and private NCAA universities in the first place, we wouldn't be, even be having this conversation right now, right? 
Right. So um, is that are you saying that you you're putting the blame on the NCAA period, or you're putting the blame on Adidas, or you're just you're just saying the NCAA uh, is to blame because they involved a private company in the first place, and they decided to 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 put their to their foot in the uh, dirty water, if you will. I don't. I just came up with that. That's not even a phrase, but I, it's mine now. Uh, trademarks. Wait. Okay. Uh, listen. Here's the thing. If you allow Adidas to sponsor schools, right, which the NCAA does, then what you're doing by allowing that to happen and, they, and, and not making it to where, like, you're allowing them to sponsor certain schools and not sponsor other schools. So, you hold on. To, you, to be so clear, it's not just Adidas. Okay. It's Nike. It's whoever else they've allowed yeah. over the past X years. Yeah, Reebok. Right. It, not, doesn't, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter who it is, no. But it, it, it matters in this case because Adidas, and, and I'm sure Nike and other companies, not even, I don't even want to specifically say I'm sure that that a specific company is doing the same thing. But there are companies out there who are doing the same thing who have not been caught. Just, just general, without, without like saying who it might be. But, yeah, the, the point is, yes. by allowing the NCAA Probably. to uh, allow private companies to sponsor schools, NCAA schools, you're creating a financial interest from those companies in those schools. Nike wants Nike-sponsored schools to succeed. Regardless of how, if they're doing anything illegal, it's just in their financial interest to have a school like Oregon do, a, you know, have them be in the Fiesta Bowl and then have Oregon players flash their Nike-made gloves or to see uniforms with a check mark on them. You know, all of those things. Like to have your your school uh, that's sponsored do well, it's beneficial to your company. It, it gets some more exposure. Uh, it gets them more money when those jerseys sell because the jerseys are tied into this, to uh, whatever sort of deal that they have in that situation. So any, the point is, is like you're creating a financial in, uh, incentive for th- that company to want that school to do well. So if it's better for Adidas, if an Adidas-sponsored school does well, then why, what, what, why wouldn't Adidas, especially as a private company who probably doesn't care at all about NCAA guidelines except for the fact that like they don't want you know kids who might go there and, do well for their school to get suspended. So, of course, it's going to be in their interest then to make sure the school does well. And, yeah, they, obviously they cross the line. I'm not saying that they're blameless here, these four guys and, you know, whoever else gets indicted in this situation. But what, what I'm saying is, is clearly by allowing this to happen in terms of the schools being sponsored, they're fostering this culture of corporations playing with, with their schools and, and sort of being motivated to have their schools win. And, and by by doing that, you're creating this culture with, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, this is, I feel like this has been happening for a long time, though, and it's it's just maybe these are the guys that are getting caught. I mean, Florida State, my alma mater, w- was a, a team that got caught up in scandals in the past, and uh, the NCAA kind of turned the other cheek in my opinion in, in some of the football situations that Florida State got into. I'm not trying to tie that in and I'm, I don't want to bring anybody else down, but I'm just as an example of other NCAA corruption that has happened. There are a million examples of schools that have crossed the lines and the NCAA in general of just looking the other way. North Carolina with their academic scandal that that recently came up in the last year or two. Another university that's connected to me and or my family, which I hate to disparage, but listen, the scandals are out there. That's the point. These things are connected to me personally as far as 
having a connection to those universities that have been involved in scandals. So what, when I say this stuff, it's sort of like, well, you have to put the light over there. You have to shine the spotlight on it, right? You have to make it known and, and, and say that something is going on here, but the universities are not the only ones to blame. The NCAA as an organization, it has been corrupt for many, many years and they're getting involved with private companies and the money is huge and it always has been and always probably will be regardless of what sort of sanctions happen. And they're, they're always going to try and find a, a back door loophole to try and make more money. So uh, there's no justification for any of it. And I'm glad that, that these things are getting overturned. Uh, These, these rocks are getting turned over and they're finding all this crap underneath, but something needs to happen to, to make the NCAA clean up their act. And I just don't see it coming anytime soon. Wait, what do you make of the fact that these four people were all assistant coaches? And like, do you, do you, do you find that like suspicious Rick Pitino came out and I, again, the, the Louisville coach wasn't named, but he, he basically said like, you know, it was the first he's heard of it. And like, if, if one of his coaches really did what uh, he's been accused of, like he should be punished the full extent of the law. And like, I mean, you know, Rick Pitino is about the slimiest coach you can, you can think of. You might find him entertaining. Oh, my God. He's like, he's one of the worst people on earth as far as the stories that have come out about him. If you believe everything yeah, you so, heard about Rick Pitino, you would hate him as a, as a, a human. You'd think he's a horrible so I guess, person. I guess my question is, is like, if you're an NCAA in, in, in this situation or, uh, you know, if you're an athletic director or – any or a school president, even like, what do you do if if you're the, the school president at Arizona? You know, do you do you obviously the the uh, assistant coach is fired, but do you automatically, without any you know further corroborating evidence, like, I do you just assume that the coach sort of had a hand in this or knew about it to some degree? Because I I, I sort of find it unlikely but possible that coaches could not know about this, Oof. but like. Oh, it's definitely possible. It's certainly possible for the for the head coach to not know, but you have to sit them down and talk to them and sort of read them. And if if you're a guy like Rick Pitino, maybe you can slime your way out of it and show your boss that that you're not a, a total asshole, even though you are. And it's just listen, but, Rick Pitino, okay. I, I just he's he's one of the guys that that really could could work his way out of this. But listen, you can't just fire somebody for for assuming that they're involved with the scandal that has already been proven slash accused. You need to figure it out for yourself. If they're not involved, if they're not physically involved in it as at a federal level or, or whatever level it's, it's, it's at right now. You could probably fire them though on the, on the idea of lack of institutional control. Right. I mean, like the EPA, that's usually what happens in in the scenario. Like, Oh, if you want to, you don't believe them, which like, but if you don't even talk but, to them but, about it, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you might have a lawsuit I mean, on your hands coming back. I just, I, I find it particularly suspicious in this case that it, it, it was like it seems intentional, right? If it was just four assistant coaches from four different schools, in, in none of these cases was like it, it has to be sort of a policy of this uh, Adidas guy to like to keep to keep transactions separate from from the head coach. Right, like you're saying, he just never had. He would just coincidentally always reached out to assistant coaches, and it's worked out well for him. Like I, I don't know. I find that like the the fact that none of them believed it is it's hard to believe. But I, I sort of am with you in terms of like, I don't like when people get fired for unjust causes. But it's it's also like, in this scenario, 
it, it makes you feel like, well, if the FBI like has this pattern, and, and this is something that they've been doing for three years, and if you're if you're any of these coaches, if you're the, the head coach at Oklahoma State, and you and basically your basketball program has been funded by uh, Adidas for three years, and you've been you know getting guys that you wouldn't have gotten, and you're going to have to vacate your wins now. If you're the head, even if you're the head coach and you're not involved with that, if that had been going on for three years under your nose, like at that point, can't you even argue like, well, maybe you shouldn't have like all these wins that you got, you probably didn't deserve. Like, even if it's not really your fault, should should you really stay at the university at that point? No, I think you're right about that. You could definitely argue that, and that's probably what the uh, the president of the university would do, or whoever's in control, the AD, whoever it is that would be uh, in control of that person's job, but um, I just looked at the, at the clock, Calvin, and we should at least yeah, give gonna... 10 minutes to the next uh, topic because I think it's an important one for the country as a whole, unfortunately. Oh, I, I, was about, I was about to say we could just we could roll the next topic back to next week once, end it after this, but uh, we could we could also get into it, I guess. I mean, we can get into it now. I think it's still going to be something next week as well because I think there's going to be more of it. Uh, so we Wait. should. I think we should hit it both weeks, to be honest with you. And even though okay. I hate the fact that it's a topic and, and that uh, it's not going to die, I, I, I think we need to give it the, the respect that it deserves. And that's not even where I'm going with the yeah. whole scenario. So please, okay, well, let's, introduce. Let's, because there are so, there are so many uh, factions to this topic. Let's let's try to talk about the stuff that's happened in the last in the last week. Uh, I don't know how much of this that you saw and how much you didn't. Uh, first, the, the Cowboys uh, did a demonstration uh, before their uh, was that last night, right? Monday night football game uh, with the Cardinals, where they all sort of took a knee together, arm in arm, before the national anthem, and then and then rose and stood for the national anthem, and there was sort of uh, they they've got both praise and criticism for that. Some people, you know, praising the, the fact that they uh, they they managed to to you know make a message without uh, without also being like offensive to people who have an issue with the flag, and then other people saying that it was sort of a weak, mealy mouth attempt at protest when it was it was actually not you know doing the job that it was intended to do. Do you have a do you have any stance either way on that, Rick? Um. So uh, it's. Uh, uh, that, that was kind of a tough way to uh, ask, ask me the question, to be honest with you. I know. I put you on the spot. That's what I like to do sometimes. You know, every once in a while, I just spot you. No, no. You just caught me off guard. Anyway, uh, overall, okay, I, I think I think that there is there is a different way to go about addressing this issue, this issue, but I don't think any of us really know exactly what that is. And that a lot of the players like Odell Beckham for that, for, for example, with his celebrations, that's probably one of the more extreme over the top ways to go about it. You don't need, you don't need to do that stuff. And if you guys, if you people out there listening, don't know what I'm talking about, just go Google it. You'll find the video. Um, but I think that in a lot of ways, this is a respectful way to show that you are in protest of something that has happened in your country in the past X days, what have you, whatever it may be. And this goes back a long time, and it's never been this massive of a response, right? Around the league yesterday or Sunday, people were kneeling, teams were showing the, the sign of unity. They were 
uh, locking arms. Some of some teams didn't even show up for the national anthem, uh, and players have been expressing their views about it over the last couple of days through through the media. And I just I think that for them, for the NFL players, this is the best way that they can express their their uh, angst with what's going on politically in, in the country right now. It may not be the best way for literally anyone else in this situation. The fans that are booing them and criticizing them for doing it this way, that's probably not your best course of action. Maybe you should go and put it on Twitter or something. Maybe booing is, is good, but booing can be, can be misconstrued too. You should probably go put your words, go find a, a blog and post on it. Go, go to the internet, right? That's the way people are doing things like that right now. But for the NFL players, this is probably the best way for them to express themselves because otherwise they, they don't have a, a complete sign of solidarity between, behind what they're actually doing because not every single one of them gets to speak and there are some players that have spoken very eloquently about the subject in the past few days, and many of which are, are saying things like, oh, actually, one guy, I, I wish I remembered his name, but earlier I heard a guy say, listen, most guys for the National Anthem aren't even thinking about what's, what's going on in the world or anything. They're thinking about their professional lives right then and there, what's going to happen in a football game. So for people that are criticizing them for expressing their beliefs in that manner, just think about that. They're actually taking the time out of preparing for their actual job to protest something that they've heard from their government in the past few days. So I, to me, you can't criticize something like that. You just need to accept that that's the way that they're going to, pro- to protest the situation. And then share your opinion elsewhere. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I don't think I really answered your question. But again, you caught me off guard with the way you asked it. So fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. I mean. I mean. Yeah. No. You, this is not a. Hey, I have to take a stance here. If you. If you sort of. You know. Don't really have an opinion either way. That's fine. In, in any case. Or maybe you do have an opinion, but you need to process it a little more. Or whatever. You don't have to answer everything I say. I just. I just like to throw things out sometimes. But in any case, I find it interesting that the president said what he said uh, about the NFL and, and because I, I, I feel like since he made those statements uh, about how players you know, should be ashamed or, or said they should be fired for protesting uh, through kneeling, it, it sort of evolved from uh, protesting a particular issue, uh, police brutality and you know, violence against minorities to uh, – right. So it's a, a, a sort of a catch-all for anyone who doesn't like anything that the president's doing. And I, yeah, I think so that now, like, and in, that's, in, that's like, where, that's that where happens, I don't, I don't feel, sorry, Calvin, that's where I don't feel like Kaepernick should be really included in this, but he is the one that sort of started it off, but his, his sentiment was different than what's going on right now. Yeah. And, and I think since Trump made those statements, he's really like, a, he's galvanized the sport, the sports world. To the degree that, like everyone, fear. I, I don't think you know. Even since those comments were made, I I didn't see as many uh, flag protests as as we're seeing now, or just you know, uh, stands by 
pretty much every team, right? I mean, every team feels obligated to sort of make some statement or others. And I, I wanted to talk about uh, uh, Steelers' offensive line when uh, Alejandro, I think his name is, right? No, Villanueva. Villanueva, yeah. yeah. Do, do it. We've Villanueva. got a few minutes. If we have to go over on this for a few minutes, that's fine, too. Okay, yeah. Antonio Villanueva, who uh, apparently the, the, the players all got together in Mike Tomlin said, you know, we want to do the same thing in, in unison, and they, they agreed to uh, that players could stand or kneel uh, for the national anthem, but that they would be doing it in the locker room to not make a, a scene either way. But uh, Villanueva, you know, had happened to, like, walk out of the tunnel and uh, and stand for the, the national anthem. For people who don't know, Villanueva was in the military for several years. He sort of, uh, he takes, you know, pride in that. He takes Army Ranger, I think. Yeah, but, but he's had a lot of criticism because he sort of broke with what the Steelers had decided to do it as a team, and some people felt like, well, he was showing his team up by being the only player who stood for the anthem. But I, I guess... It, it's sort of a, his explanation for that was sort of that it, it was a bit of a misunderstanding and that, that he tried to like be in the tunnel as far as far out as he could to just barely see the flag and he thought that he would have teammates behind him but for some security reason uh, that ended up not happening and it seemed that he was the only one you know willing to go out there and, and leaving his team behind he apologized for the message and he's taking a lot of crap for it and it's like I don't. It, it's just it, one. I, I, the fact that we reached this point where it's like so galvanizing to where Ugh. he has to take that much heat either way for supporting his team or not. It, it, it's it's odd to me. And two, like I don't know if the, if the entire one of the entire messages behind these, these uh, protests were you know the, the the right to protest or not protest to to then like be that critical of a guy for even though apparently he made. It, it was not the decision that it looked like it appeared to be at the time. You criticize a guy for deciding to salute the flag, especially like as a military veteran. I can't really get behind that. Yeah, man. But even if you yeah, wanted to, right, I mean, yeah. I don't know. So same, I think, right, but you know what? This stems. This actually stems from Mike Tomlin, the head coach. He's the one yeah. that said that he hoped that he would have a hundred percent participation. And if it really was right. a, a mistake, a uh, uh, just something that. The, Villanueva went out there thinking that he was going to have other people behind him, then that's on Tomlin for jumping the gun on speaking his mind. He should have gone to his player first and spoken to him. And if, if, if he hadn't gotten the chance to do that before he went to the media, then he should have said, listen, guys, I don't really know what happened there. I, I, I need to talk to, I need to talk to him and see what's going on. Uh, and it, it, with, otherwise this wouldn't have blown up. That's that's all it is. He's the one that made it seem like the player was doing something that was against what was his team was doing, uh, even though it it looked like that as well on camera. But if he had sort of tried and squash the rumor first and then come out the next day and said I, I spoke to the player, I think it would have been far less of of a backlash on Villanueva. I mean, these, this situation is becoming tough because now, because of the evolution of it, it it's gone from the, the expression of, of Colin Kaepernick's individualism and whether or not he had the right to make that expression on behalf of a cause he believed in, versus now like like teams are trying to uh, to like make decisions for what their players should do, and if you're not somebody who goes along with that, then all of a sudden you're you're like alienated. You're alienated by your team, and it's like a, a work situation. Like, what if you 
you didn't believe in doing what Jerry Jones wanted to do, taking that knee uh, before the anthem and then standing up? What if you wanted to take a knee during the game as well? It's like these decisions seem to be taken out of the hands of, well, we all have to do this together, and if not, then, then it's a problem. Then it's like, I don't, again, I'm not sure what the message is beyond the act of defiance toward the president, which I understand. You know, I, I, I get that, but it, at the same time, it's like, it's that, the, the other that side has to be what it is at this point. There's it, not much it, else behind it, 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 Calvin. And and I know where it I mean, started, but that that's not that's not right. the message anymore. This is a lot of different players from a lot of different races uh, speaking their minds and, and saying that they don't believe in what uh, the president of our country has been saying for the last few days. And quite frankly, I don't blame them because this guy just seems to just step in another pile of crap every other day. At, Someone's mad at him all the time, and I, this didn't happen uh, for the last 20 years of my life. So I, I don't know how I like, anyone yeah. thinks that he's doing a, a good job, and that's as political as we'll get on this show. No, I do, I do feel like the NFL needs to step in here, though, and and make a statement about how it, it you know, it respects the. the like I, I think the NFL needs to to prevent even even you and you can say this sounds ridiculous or not, but I think that they need to prevent this Tomlin situation and this Jerry Jones situation and say, oh, we, like, we, we respect the right of, of players to protest or, or to not protest, but we will not be having, uh, we will not be having like, on an organizational level, m- mandatory standing or kneeling situations. You know what I mean? Like, they, I think the NFL sure. has to allow. Yeah. Well, they're not going to do that. They're, they're not going to do that. They they are I fully believe that they will not make a statement about that at all. They're just going to continue to let things happen as they will, and whatever happens happens. And if the protests continue, great. If they don't, that's great as well. They've already said their thing. I don't believe the NFL is going to make any more statements, and that makes them even more cowardice well, than than anyone could have imagined. Well, I mean, I don't think they have to come down one way or the other in terms of like either being. Pro or against protest, but I think that they do. No, they don't have to. But if they would just say something like you just said, it would be great. But I don't think they will. Yeah, but if they but if they don't, then it's like then the 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 entire process is being corrupted by decision makers deciding for the team what they're going to do, which like undermines the whole the whole idea of the protest in the first place. All right. Well, maybe that'll that'll be some sort of internal memo throughout the league. I hope it is. But I don't, I don't find, I don't think the NFL is going to come public with something like that, to be honest with you. And I think it's because there are too many owners that, quite frankly, all speculation on my part are on the side of the president and a lot of other people in this country. So I think that's just where we are as a nation right now. And I think that the NFL as a whole is, is going to hedge their bets and they're not going to say anything more unless something else big happens. And then maybe they'll make another statement. But uh, that's, that's I think, what we have for tonight, unless you've got something else you want to say. Uh, this is going to be a topic next week, I'm sure. So there will, will be more to discuss. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I think I'm good for now. All right. Well, I'm glad we saved the serious stuff till the end because it's tough when we sometimes try to – go from something serious to something lighthearted. So instead, I will just uh, say goodnight to everyone. And Calvin, thank you. Thank you all for staying an extra five minutes tonight. Enjoy your week. Yeah. Yeah, thanks to whoever. Goodnight, everyone. Whoop, whoop.
I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. I was just saying thank you to those who listened, and I know it got a little serious at the end, but hey, we also had a list game that you hated, so it worked kind of well. That's right. That's right. That's how this show goes. Play a segment that I hate. That's Goodbye, Calvin. Good night, Rick.